Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Okay, Penn State fans, it is Thanksgiving week. It's also World Cup week. Johnny McGonigal is excited about that. It's also land-grant trophy week. Penn State, Michigan State to close out Penn State's regular season. We're going to react to James Franklin's Tuesday press conference, which was a pretty colorful press conference. Johnny played a major role in it. We'll get to that. But, Johnny, how are you doing? Uh, I know you've been enjoying the World Cup, but isn't it weird that I don't know that the season, the regular season has flown by, but it's it's just kind of – it doesn't seem like that trip to West Lafayette was all that long ago, but here we are. It's the end of November, and Penn State has a great shot, Johnny. A, not a good shot, a great shot at finishing the regular season 10-2. and two. Yeah, Bob, you mentioned that trip to West Lafayette. I was actually talking with a few of my buddies, and you know, thinking that that Purdue game feels like it wasn't that long ago, but my friend's bachelor party that I went to the day <laughs> after does feel like a while ago. So, you know, it's, it's one of those where you're juggling it. Um, but it's funny because back then I had, I had, you know, marked on my calendar ahead of time, the world cup starting and I'm like, wow, that feels so far out. And now we're, you know, a few days into that, which means that we're approaching, I mean, we got Thanksgiving this week, we're approaching, uh, Christmas. We're seeing way too early Christmas trees and wreaths and all the decorations out. Uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's too early for that. We got to give our, our, uh, respects to Thanksgiving. James Franklin was all about Thanksgiving today during his press conference, uh, asking almost every media member who asked a question a different either or uh, in terms of their Thanksgiving foods and sides. I'm sure we'll break down all of those uh, you know, later in the podcast. But now, yeah, you know, James Franklin's press conference today, one of his last ones of the of the 2022 season, uh, Michigan State upcoming this weekend and then uh, and then a bowl game, you know, after you know, once the CFP rankings and all that gets sorted after uh, championship weekend. Can't believe you didn't even mention the U.S. and England on Friday. I, I know it's got your full attention. It's an afternoon game. A nice little warm up for you for Penn State, Michigan State. Four o'clock kick. FS1. You know that the big game, Johnny. The big game is obviously Ohio State and Michigan at noon. You know the rest of the Big Ten just and actually the, the rest of college football. Maybe Al, Alabama Auburn's kind of a big deal, but these two teams are you know ranked, I think, two and three or three and four of the country. I mean, this this is the game, and there's a lot at stake. Penn State's played both those teams. Before we get to James Franklin's news conference, Dave Jones and I, I'm sure, will talk about this game because he's been very opinionated about Ohio State and Michigan. But as you put together your uh, your ballot on Sunday, 
Where did you have Penn State ranked? I thought they would crack the top 10, but they didn't really penalize Tennessee as much as I thought they would. And where do you where do you see the Michigan-Ohio State game uh, a few days away from the kickoff? Yeah, Bob, it's funny you mentioned that the Penn State game is on FS1 at 4 and thinking like, okay, that's a weird time. I think the World Cup actually has something to do with that because there's a 2 o'clock game on on Saturday, and, and usually they've been on Fox and FS1. And if uh, you know the game, Ohio State-Michigan's bumping World Cup coverage is probably on FS1. So that's probably why. Um, but yeah, in terms of the rankings, I kept Penn State at 11. Uh, you know, I could see why some people might uh, think that they would gain a spot or two uh, what happened over the weekend. But, you know, I had Utah, you know, just I had Utah behind Penn State already. And so them losing I, and I had, I had Oregon ahead of Penn State just based off of their resume. Um, and so I kept, you know, I had Oregon ahead of Penn State and then uh, I also kept Tennessee uh, from dropping too far. And again, I get why some people might want to drop them a few spots, you know, maybe have them barrel down outside uh, the top 10 after losing the way they did against South Carolina. But for me, my thinking is like, okay, they got two losses and they beat LSU and they beat Alabama. So like, how can I drop them below those two teams? And so I kept Penn State at 11. And that is something though, you know, again, we're recording this around what, four, four or five o'clock on Tuesday. So by the time most people listen to this, the rankings will already be out. But you know, the, the final CFP rankings with Tennessee, uh, it's gonna it could matter in terms of if Penn State makes a New Year's Six bowl game, uh, or if they, you know, depending on what bowl game they ultimately get. I mean, at this point, Penn State should be rooting for Ohio State and Michigan to both make the playoff. That would open up the Rose Bowl, uh, which is possible. You know, if TCU drops one or USC drops one. Um, and then in terms of the Cotton Bowl or uh, the Orange Bowl, you know, if Alabama somehow slips up against Auburn or Tennessee loses again without Hendon Hooker, uh, their quarterback who tore his ACL. So these are all, uh, you know, just little things that you know, Penn State fans obviously just focus on you know, beating Michigan State, getting to 10 and 2. Uh, it's a big game this weekend and, and you know, your attention is, is fully there. But at the same time, too, there's going to be some scoreboard watching uh, this weekend and then during uh, championship weekend as well. Still putting you on the spot, Ohio State, Michigan. Who's winning? Oh, I, I completely. I got so caught up in talking about the rankings, and you know, so Ohio State, Michigan. Man, I, I was leaning with Dave. Big mistake. That's your first mistake. Yeah, and then he wore the Phillies jacket to the game, <laughs> and the Phillies lost the World Series. So no, I, I look after seeing Michigan almost lose to Illinois and Blake Corum. We don't know his status, and so much of that offense is so much of that team. Uh, runs through him, uh, the running back, who's been tremendous this year. Uh, I'm taking Ohio State, and I think you just take the athletes that they have on offense that you figure that um, not only are they good, like obviously good enough, and I think more talented than Michigan, but they got so embarrassed last year. And I, I feel like going out and hiring Jim Knowles and doing all these different things to their defense has been set up to make sure you don't get embarrassed again, that you don't get run through. And I don't think this Michigan team is coming in rolling like, uh, maybe I thought they would, and maybe probably Dave thought they would after uh, Michigan did what it did to Penn State. Yeah, I like Ohio State too. I think that they have spent, ever since that loss uh, it, to Michigan last year, I think about 90% of what Ohio State has done in the offseason and during the regular season, it's really, I, I hate to say it like this, it's really been geared towards this weekend. They also had their hands full at Maryland, but there's a history of them kind of, Looking ahead to this game, I know they've been thinking about it for a long time. Uh, I think Michigan will see Ohio State's A game. 
I'm not sure what that looks like because I don't think Penn State saw it, right? I think Penn State played well. They just turned the ball over late, but I didn't feel I didn't come out of that stadium, Beaver Stadium, feeling like Penn State had seen the A effort from Ohio State. I feel like they got Michigan's A effort. Obviously, you look at that score and it was just a physical hammering, but I, I want to see what what happens when Ohio State is firing on all cylinders, and I want to see what happens. What will happen if Michigan ever finds themselves behind by, you know, double digits? And that's, you know, the game's at Ohio State. That's a possibility. Michigan's only won once uh, in a very long time. And they, they sure celebrated uh, like it was only one time in a long time last year. And I know Ohio State's remembered some of the comments from Jim Harbaugh. What Desmond Howard did uh, to C.J. Stroud at the Heisman ceremony, I thought, really was classless. He thought he was funny. I didn't think it was funny. I think Ohio State really, really has been looking forward to this game. And I think Michigan better be careful. Yeah. And in terms of Penn State fans, what they should be rooting for, I know the Penn State fans never want to root for either team. uh, (laughs) But in the scenario of wanting to go to the Rose Bowl and you get two Big Ten teams into the playoff, it's rooting for Michigan because you would think that Ohio State's resume as an 11 and 1 team would stack up better than Michigan's in, in the case of getting in. Uh, the four slot because of that win over Notre Dame uh, to open the season. Uh, Michigan's non-conference schedule was, we talked about it uh, plenty of times on this podcast, was really bad. You know, UConn and Colorado State and Hawaii, that's a that's a point that the committee can wave up in the air and say, hey, you're not getting in the playoff because you didn't schedule anyone in the non-conference. And so if you're a Penn State fan and you want two Big Ten teams in, pull for Michigan. I know it's hard to pull for you know either of these teams, but yeah, I'm, I'm leaning Ohio state. And I think so much of that, you know, the emotion aspect of it, the gloating aspect of it, so much of that goes into it. And, but really what it comes down to is CJ Stroud uh, has a chance to prove himself to be the best quarterback in the country. Uh, again, hooker has had a great year at Tennessee and Bryce young is Bryce young and Caleb Williams is making a Heisman push. But, you know, if CJ Stroud goes out and, and does what he, everyone thinks he can do and what he's capable of doing with Marvin Harris and all the weapons he's got. I mean, he can go win the Heisman on Saturday against Michigan, and I think he'll do that. Okay, Johnny, let's get to some Penn State news. There was some news uh, coming out of James Franklin's Tuesday news conference. I don't think it was very surprising news. There had been it, – it had gotten out, I think, last week in a lot of different quarters that something was wrong with Parker Washington. He had played in Penn State's game you know, against Maryland, but between that game, maybe during that game, and the, and the you know the Rutgers game, word was traveling pretty fast late in the week that something was up with him. James Franklin was asked about it in his in his post game press conference, and he said, "Guys, I can't comment on him right now, but I will have an answer for you on Tuesday." So Rich Garcella asked him about it, and Parker Washington is indeed done for the season. James wouldn't go into specifics about the injury, but it's it's a pretty big loss. Penn State's got some talent at wideouts, Johnny, but Parker was really, I think, their most dangerous, most effective receiver, either at tight end or at wideout. You remember what he did against Ohio State. He had probably the, the game of his career in a losing effort, but uh, he's a third-year player. There's a lot that goes with that. You don't know if maybe that's been – we've seen the last of Parker Washington. Um, we'll learn about that, but he's done for the year. Yeah, Bobby, you talk about the timeline of this. He played in that Maryland game. He did not travel to Rutgers. Like you said, word started getting started getting out late last week. And uh, it's funny when we go back and you listen to, uh, you know, uh, Taylor Stubblefield's media availability with us last Thursday. 
And I actually asked him about Parker Washington and his NFL draft stock and, and you know, a possible impending decision that he would have. And, and Stubblefield kind of hesitated a little bit when he, when he talked about it. And so, you know, will that injury, just depending on the severity and, and, and the timeline, and you talk about what these prospects do when they declare, it's not like they're hanging out waiting for the draft. They're, they're training in January and February for the combine in late February. And then they start going on team visits and all these different kinds of things. Uh, and if the, if the injury is severe and that keeps him from doing some of those things or you know, preparing like he would like to prepare, you know, maybe it's a better chance of him coming back uh, next season in 2023, which is an unfortunate you know, thing that, that you know, basically Parker isn't healthy and can make the decision on his own. But if he does come back next season, I mean, that's a big boost for Penn State's wide, you know, wide receiver room and Penn State's offense as a whole. This is a guy who had over 800 yards last year uh, working alongside Jahan Dotson has taken over that number one job this year, started off a little slow, but, you know, really, you know, shined in that Ohio State game, had the big catch against Minnesota. And, you know, for an offense that you know, returns a lot of talent on the offense, you know, offensive line and obviously Nick Singleton and Katron Allen in the backfield and Drew Aller, you know, assuming he takes over as a starting quarterback. You know, you would love to have a Parker Washington on your offense, a reliable guy with great hands, a great route running experience, all that. But without him, they're going to have to rely uh, at least you know, without him over these next two games uh, against Michigan State and in the bowl game. They're going to have to rely on Mitchell Tinsley, the, the senior uh, and departing senior uh, transfer from Western Kentucky, who's been the second leading receiver on this team, and then a bunch of uh, younger guys as well. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting. Maybe maybe we should talk about it now, but. I know that you asked James about the receiver room and kind of the opportunities now that are going to be available because, you know, essentially when Penn State wants to uh, wants to go to, you know, three three wide out sets, there's going to there's going to be a new face, you know, in the lineup for me. I don't know about you, Johnny. I, I think Trey Wallace, every time I see him, I like him a little bit more. He makes it. I just think that guy is dangerous. I think he's talented. Even when he doesn't, he doesn't play a lot in games. He usually does something on a play that makes you really go, "Wow!" He could jump out of the gym. He, he's he's a deep threat. He's very good after the catch. He's a guy I know that that I'm going to be uh, looking forward to, to seeing against Michigan State and in the bowl game. But the other thing I wanted to ask you about is not only him and the other wideouts, but one thing I think that's maybe the fans don't know is as the season has gone on, it's been pretty clear to me that Penn State, Mike Yurcich, and James Franklin. They've really, really leaned on the on the tight end group, and rather than start three wideouts, um, more and more you're seeing multiple tight ends on the field, and maybe two wideouts. And that that was the case even with Parker Washington, right? You know, on the field, it was him and Tinsley, and then you would you could see Keandre Lambert Smith, or you could see Trey Wallace, or you could see somebody else maybe late in the game. But this has really become to me as the running game's taken off, it's become a. I think their go to their go to set is multiple tight ends. They could do a lot off of it. And those guys not only have gotten the job done uh, as blockers, but I think, I mean, as receivers, they're they're showing up and one of them's showing up in just about every game. So I think that's one of the transformations, I think, that maybe Penn State fans uh, should look for moving forward. They really like their tight ends. All of them are contributing. And even though you're going to see some, some new faces at the wideout position, it might not be all that different just because of the presence of not one, not two, but three pretty good tight ends. Yeah, on the tight ends, you know, you look at Theo Johnson, Brenton Strange, Tyler Warren, those three guys. 
uh, that they use on the field, all three of them sometimes at the same time. Sometimes it's two of them. Uh, but when the running game is going that good with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, you know, it, it helps as an offense to show two tight ends and not only from a blocking sense, you know, just in, in the run game, but you can work play action off of that. And so it's not, it's not obvious. They're not going with a bunch of, you know, five wide receivers out there. Now, sometimes they'll split out wide and have, you know, Brenton Strange split out and Theo Johnson split out. But those guys are good enough athletes that whether they're catching screens and, you know, running over DBs or, you know, working up the seam, like th- those tight ends are talented enough. And it's a strength of not only this offense, but of this team as a whole. And we talk so much about that in the, in the uh, preseason about how these tight ends are going to be used. And I think there has been some frustration throughout the season, you know, from the fan base, maybe that those tight ends haven't been used as much, uh, but they've been integral in the running game. And, and I think over these next two games and even looking ahead to next season and the depth that uh, that position will have, I think will still continue to be a value part of this offense. And in terms of the younger receivers, yeah, I asked James Franklin at his press conference about, uh, you know, is he excited to see guys like Liam Clifford and, you know, Trey Wallace and Omari Evans, a true freshman who has played in, I think, every game, if not all but one game uh, this season and and the opportunities that they might have with Parker Washington out uh, again this weekend in, in the bowl game. And he said he's excited because, you know, this is a situation where you find out what kind of um, you, you, you kind of find out when these numbers get called, when your number gets called. You know, some guys step up and some guys don't and some guys are ready and some guys some guys aren't. Uh, and so James is interested to see how it plays out. I'm interested to see how it all plays out. I think a lot of people are too, but uh, Wallace in particular is a guy that he had a couple of big catches in the Rutgers game. He you know, had that long catch uh, against uh, uh, Michigan earlier in that game. He's a downfield threat. He's finding his, you know, it seems like he's becoming more comfortable in the intermediate to, to deep to intermediate passing game. Uh, and that can really help against a Michigan state team that, you know, I don't think there's defense is all that. And so if you're able to move, you know, you're able to run the ball all over this team and then be able to hit you know Trey Wallace for 22, 23 yards. Uh, that does a that does a whole lot of good when you're trying to sustain drives and punch it in and get out with a comfortable win. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Johnny, before we get to the uh, entertaining part of James's uh, press conference with uh, the Thanksgiving, you were, you were heavily involved in it, and I thought you handled yourself well. You weren't afraid to stick to your guns. That's what I liked about you, Johnny. You weren't swayed by his question, and uh, I like that. But we got to talk a little bit about Sean Clifford in senior day, right? You know, he, he is a polarizing guy at Penn State. You know, we knew it was going to be this way with Drew Aller in town. James wasted no time in, in telling us that he was going to be the backup quarterback. So really, uh, the fan base has been clamoring to see this guy. Penn State has played Drew Aller quite a bit. He's appeared in, in a lot of games. Uh, and in November, with Penn State routing teams, we've seen more and more of Drew. But it really, it's Sean Clifford's team. Uh, James made that very clear several weeks ago. But it, it is senior day. I believe, I believe Saturday will be his 45th start at Penn State, which is... That's a phenomenal number, but I'm curious about the reception he's going to get. Um, he, I think, I believe on his conference call today, I was not on it, but I believe, I believe he thanked the media covering him for for six years. James Franklin spoke glowingly of him when asked about him. You know, today you knew the questions were coming, right? But 
I thought I, I thought that James answered when he was asked about Sean and what's gonna what's the one thing or one or two things that he's gonna remember most about him. And I know you're working on a story about Sean Clifford. I think he hit the nail on the head because uh, I would agree with this. Um, Sean's ability to, to persevere, I think, I think you got to give him a lot of credit for that. You know, he didn't really uh, when he did not play well over his career and this year. I, d- I never felt like he hung his head. Uh, he's a tough kid. He's played through some injuries, but uh, he's a smart kid. I think he is set up financially no matter what he does with football after this season because he's got his own business. James actually called him an entrepreneur. He doesn't even think he's going to be a football coach. I think he's got a lot of other irons in the fire when he does give up football. But Sean Clifford and his reception on senior day, I think it's going to be interesting to me and you. What did you pick up from maybe what what, what, uh, what James had to say about uh, Sean and also Sean's uh, uh, teleconference? Yeah, well, with Franklin, it's something that he's mentioned now uh, a few times and that, you know, in terms of just the reception at Beaver Stadium and senior day, I think he mentioned it after maybe it was the Rutgers or after the Maryland game. And he said, hey, when we come back here, it'd be nice. But he really wants his seniors to be received well and feels like they should be. And it's not just Clifford. It's, you know, Mustafer and uh, Jair Brown and, and, and these guys. But, you know, Clifford being the most polarizing player on the roster one of the most polarizing players really that, that Penn State's had in quite some time as a four-year starter that you, know, you go through the ups and downs that he and the program went through over the last four years, you're going to have that. Um, and so, you know, the, the idea that he's, you know, he has persevered. Um, I agree with that as well. You know, I, I understand where James is coming from on that. He also had a question and, and, and was talking quite a bit about how, you know, the quarterback position and, and the head coaching position, you know, that they can kind of relate in a way and that you know, wins and losses oftentimes are, are pinned uh, to both those spots. And so, you know, when, when it's going good, you know, everyone loves them when it's going bad, it's not. And you look at Trace McSorley and the you know, success that he and that team and those teams had that, you know, there, there wasn't many people calling for, you know, Trace McSorley to be benched or anything. Uh, I know that there was a time there with Tommy Stevens, but, uh, you know, that's going back. You know, Sean Clifford has been through a lot and talking to him on his uh, teleconference today, normally those things, you know how they are, Bob, where, okay, hey, you know, Sean Clifford's here. We'll open it up to questions and you do a little raise hand feature on Zoom as we all learned how to do during COVID in 2020. And uh, Sean said, you know, hey, can I actually start this off with with an opening statement? And, you know, he started off by thanking the media members for their coverage over four years. He he thanked the fans. He thanked the community for their support. Uh, he said that it's, you know, nothing can beat, you know, being a 23 time starter at Beaver Stadium and said that Penn State has, you know, for his, in his opinion, the best fans in college football and that it's been an honor. And so he's going to get that honor one more time at Beaver Stadium uh, on Saturday. And, you know, for as, as many times and as much as a, a lot of people have called for Drew Aller to get in the games and we've talked about, hey, Drew needs to get in, he needs to get playing time. I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Clifford's all you see on Saturday, unless unless he plays really poorly or gets hurt or something like that. Uh, but this is going to be his last game at Beaver Stadium. It's going to be the last game at Beaver Stadium for a handful of of captains and seniors. And, uh, you know, James Franklin hopes that he goes out the way he feels like he should with a win and um, with a lot of applause to go with that. So we'll, we'll see how, obviously, we'll see how Saturday turns out. All right, Johnny, it's time to get to what really matters. James was in a uh, festive mood today. Most media members that participated on the call were asked a food preference uh, for Thanksgiving. It could it was he went in a lot of different ways: sides, desserts, 
when it came time for you to talk, you to ask your question, I think he asked, I, want, I don't want to put words in your mouth. He asked your preference, was it ham or was it turkey? Was that, was that correct? Yeah, I've actually got the transcript here. <laughs> I said, hey, how are you, James? First of all, turkey or ham? <laughs> and I said, see, you know, I'm a ham guy. And he just said, wow, you know, and I said, well, yeah, turkey, you know, sometimes turkey gets dry. And he said, yeah, if you cook it improperly. And so I basically said, oh, I'll have to talk to my family about that. Yeah. I don't make I don't make the family turkey. That's not that's that's not my job. But you know, basically, he, he asked me then uh, with the ham, do you get it with the pineapples on it or not? Of course you do. And then he asked if I cut it up. Cut up my hand. This is seriously. Like, this is going on like during, and this is what he did with every reporter was asking these questions. He asked me if I then cut up the pineapples and and cut it, cut up the ham and eat them together. And then he he seemed to be a little disgusted when I said that sometimes I do that, and then sometimes I just eat the mashed potatoes and ham together. And he kind of scolded me a little bit and said that hey, you know, mashed potatoes go with turkey, not ham. And you know, I think mashed potatoes go with anything. <laughs> So we disagreed there. I held my ground and uh, he said, hey, he's learning so much about us. And then he let me ask my question about the young wide receivers on the roster. I mean, this, you know, everyone, everyone got some kind of variation of this. Uh, I thought the funniest one, I forget who, who it was, but um, it was cornbread or, you know, whatever. And, and the reporter responded and said, yeah, you could have said anything after cornbread. and I would have picked cornbread, big cornbread guy. Also, I have to just tell the, the Penn State uh, fans that are either listening or watching this. Uh, I don't know if I ever saw Johnny smile bigger than uh, when he was in the uh, Rutgers press box before the game. Because he wisely, as did I, uh, made a Wawa stop because the Rutgers food was okay. But when you get a chance, when you get close to a Wawa store, you got, you got to stop in. And he, I believe it was an Italian sub. And he, uh, he had a big old smile on his face. So. That it was, it was good to see you be well prepared for Rutgers, and I know you enjoyed your pregame snack. Yeah, Bob. Well, that's one thing where you know we've been to these Big Ten venues so many times, and going back to when I was covering the team, you know, in sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and even as a student, you kind of remember which press boxes have good food and which ones don't. And I'm not one to complain about free food, but I just remember that Rutgers. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they had cold pasta last time I was there. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to stop and get Wawa and bring it in on the way. Uh, and sure enough, we walk into the press press room and I'm asking around like, oh, what is it? It's like, oh, cold pasta. I'm like, there we go. Glad glad I brought my Wawa, my Italian hoagie. Um, also got one of those two-pack pretzels, uh, one, one you know, a little post-game snack and drive home uh, back to the Philly area after that. So, yeah, I mean, veteran moves only, right? You got to be savvy when it, comes to, when it comes to that. When Wawa's in the area, you, you, you take advantage. Okay, Penn State fans, Senior Day Land Grant Trophy at stake. Penn State, I think, is an 18-point favorite over a depleted Michigan State squad that just got lost at home in overtime to Indiana. The defense isn't very good. I don't think they're very motivated. They're 5-6. and six. Penn State wants to get to 10-2. and two. They want to play a meaningful bowl game. Sean Clifford's last game, Jair Brown's last game, P.J. Mustafer's last game. You know, there's a lot of seniors that did, played a lot of good football at Penn State. It should be a good day. I think it's going to be a good weather day. And then Penn State fans, I know you're going to be following Ohio State and Michigan. You're going to want to know where Penn State's going to go, but you also got to watch Championship Weekend as well. It's really, this is really a fun time of year. It's not just senior day for Penn State, but you get to find out the bowl game fairly soon. 
championship game weekend, Friday and Saturday. Next week is going to be great. You got the World Cup going on. Johnny's Eagles are off to a really good start. My Cowboys finally made a statement against Minnesota. So I know I'm looking forward to the month of December. I know Johnny, I know you are, and I know Penn State fans are as well. Johnny, anything else before we go? No, just looking forward to seeing uh, where Penn State ultimately ends up in its bowl game. Uh, you know, and again, we'll find out more once they once they play Michigan State. What happens there, and then what happens in championship weekend? Looking forward to all of it, Bob. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.